2: kids pets and other wildlife sounds from invading our respective bunkers matt wilstein is the senior writer for the daily beast covering the intersection between politics and pop culture as well as the host of the daily beast the last laugh podcast hi matt wilstein
0: hi molly how's it going
2: You know, trying not to die. It's good. Can I say that on the podcast? Yes, I can say that on the podcast. We're all trying not to die. Yes,
0: everyone's trying not to die every day.
2: That's right. That's what it's all about. So talk to me about political comedy.
0: It's it's been a year, hasn't it? For everything. But for political comedy, absolutely. I mean, I spend a lot of my time at the Daily Beast watching and uh, writing about and interviewing people who do political comedy, whether it's the late night shows or, you know, really anything. But it's, it's just it's been a it's been a pretty crazy year. But I think the one thing that's really like stood out to me above everything else is this like kind of new ish form of aggressive confrontational political comedy that that's come out this year and you know thinking about Borat uh, obviously is sort of like the big one which I know you you quite enjoyed the the Borat uh sequel right
2: I love him and I love that he targeted Michael well uh, uh, really Rudy Giuliani but also Michael Penis
0: yeah, Michael Pennis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just a huge Sasha Baron Cohen fan going way back. And I, I interviewed him on my podcast uh, when he was doing Who is America, um, which was another show that I loved. Um, and then I'm actually uh, about to have, I just talked to him, but it hasn't aired yet, the, uh, the director of Borat to Jason Walliner, who's just kind of a fascinating. Guy who's been around in comedy for a long time, but this was his first movie that he directed, which I thought was insane, because think about that as, as a first film to take that on and everything that went into it. It took like two years the whole thing from you know, start to finish. And the, obviously the Rudy Giuliani thing was really one of the moments of the year, and he, and he had a lot of moments. Put down your She's 15, she's too
1: old for you. What, what, why are you She's no, she, my daughter. Please, take me instead. Take my Anus. I don't want no, you. No, no, take my Anus, do not have
0: her. I'm better than him. No,
1: I better. My back pussy very tight. No, please, my, my front anus. Please, I will let you enjoy you my home in your mouth. Is, no, I better. I would love to. I was in prison many years, so I have techniques with my mouth. Well, what's going on here? Look at this guy. I forbid this union. Rudy, Trump will be disappointed. You are leaving hotel without golden shower. It's funny because this was what started the downward spiral in some way. Yeah, it
0: kind of foreshadowed it in a way, right?
2: Yeah, except the downward spiral is what? He's still the president's, I mean, I guess the hair in the can <laughs> dripping down his face was the
0: lowest moment? Uh, I mean, four seasons total landscaping is, is this. In my mind, it's a battle between, yeah, four four seasons, the hair dripping, and obviously, you know, putting his hands down his pants uh, in front of yeah, Borat's daughter. Yeah, was not, not great. Which is yeah. not great, yeah. I, I, I'm still convinced that there was more going on there than than shirt tucking in.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's the general consensus at this point.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah but yeah, I think there's, there's that there's Borat. And then, um, the other one that really stood out to me this year is another person I've had on my podcast is, um, Jordan Klepper, who has been doing this stuff for the daily show for years. He was a correspondent on that show, but then kind of left. And now he's come back just periodically doing these segments where he confronts Trump supporters at Trump rallies in a year where no one was doing that kind of thing, mostly because of the pandemic. He was actually going out and and putting on a mask and talking to the maskless hordes at these Trump rallies um, and getting them to say some really insane things. Um, So I think he he definitely wins in my book as the sort of bravest, uh, you know, riskiest comedian who actually risked his life for comedy this year.
1: We are here to celebrate the winning of Donald Trump.
0: Oh, you're four years too late. Huh? You're four years too late. No.
2: What? No, no, no. He's, he won this time.
0: This time? you won. It's not the size of the flag that matters.
2: It's how many votes you get in the electoral college system. They were here to celebrate the fact that America is a
0: rich, diverse nation, with so many different kinds of alleged election fraud.
2: There's people, there's people that's, that's changing votes. Who? people across across the United States where did you hear this all over we can't ignore it. we're talking about having dead people vote number one should Trump have appealed more to the dead person vote should he appeal we just need fairness yeah I mean I have to say as someone who's been to CPAC twice now the first time I was okay but the second time I really felt like it's a little scary I mean they're not these people are a little scary
0: yeah, I've never been to CPAC. I've been to Politicon a couple of times, just like the uh, CPAC's, uh, you know, cool younger brother, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like Politicon has more of a mix of, like, normal yeah, people. they're or trying C- at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, CPAC is, like, really the drags.
1: You know, Matt, I thought what was funny with Jordan was you talk a lot on your podcast to comedians about, like, the ups and downs of their career, and their trajectories. And you get these stories all the time in— Jordan kind of had this miss with his show, The Opposition, even though I think it had some great moments. But then you see him immediately right after, like, some people saying that that was a loss for him – come back with this just amazing moment in his career.
0: Yeah, it is. It's crazy. It's like he, he, I, I quite like the opposition as well. And it was, it was mm-hmm. definitely, a, it was like one of these long, there's been a long string of shows that have tried to follow the daily show and failed post Colbert rapport. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's Jordan Klepper, it's, uh, Larry Wilmore, who I also love. Um, but you know, and it, just no one seems to really, uh, been able to make that time slot work since Colbert left. Um, but yeah, Jordan Klepper, it's like he he once he really like figured out his thing and focused on it with these segments and again it's like it helps that there's only one, you know, Six-minute segment every three months. When you can, when you can do that little amount of work and and really <laughs> pack it in, then it really it it shows how the quality.
1: Yeah, and when you interviewed him, though, he really shed a light, though, on like how much uh, the process went into this and how much craftsmanship he went into it. I thought was really interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, he obviously prepares a ton because with any of these people who are going out and trying to make comedy with real people, they're basically just like creating tons of different scenarios in their head. And hoping that they're funny and that it works out. So you know, I think he would go in with like a million different questions for people. But then he's such a great improviser that he just has to like go with the flow of whatever's happening in that moment. And you know, if it's taking a you know taking the piss out of a, a Trump supporter who's you know has some uh, hypocrisy coming out of their mouth because they you know believe in uh, one one that I just was re-watching was he talks to someone who believes uh, who's. Pro-life and anti-choice, but thinks that it should be, you know, a choice whether to wear a mask. Yes, right. yes, yes.
2: That's really common in that group. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. sort of mm-hmm. amazing disconnect.
1: Yeah. Who, who would have ever thought that we'd get a bigger disconnect with those people than? Uh you know, big government versus small government and chasing women around and policing their wombs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind exactly. of
1: amazing. Matt, the other thing that you were talking when we were beginning this about is that uh, this was a very big year for political comedy and social media.
0: Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that everyone was stuck at home with nothing to do and, and sort of production value was – was prized less maybe than it was in the past, and people would or at all. just, yeah, they'd film <laughs> themselves in their house. And yeah, I mean, I think obviously the big one in that realm was who the real big breakout star was Sarah Cooper. Which I don't know when when were you when were you guys first aware of Sarah Cooper? Or what do you what do you remember about about that? Because it was clearly it's like she was nobody and then she was huge. Yeah,
2: I mean, I definitely saw her do those videos, and they're good.
0: It
1: felt like one day I didn't know it, and then the next day. Uh it was like there was 10,000 videos.
0: Yeah, and then she got a Netflix special.
2: <laughs> how do you keep doing
0: that? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question, is how, how does she pivot from from doing lip-syncing Trump uh, is, I think, will be a, a hard thing for her career, because I don't know if you guys saw the the Netflix special, but it was like a lot of Trump, but a lot of kind of experimenting with other stuff too, and I would say some of it worked Better than others. But she's already started um, putting out videos where she's actually speaking in her own voice. Like she did a great one. She's playing a character which is Jenna Ellis's law mentor. Oh, that's great. That's a really good idea. Yeah, that's a really good idea. So she's kind of like, you know, imagining what sort of the people behind the scenes are in, in this insane MAGA world. But again, like, I guess, I don't, I don't think MAGA world is going to go anywhere really anytime soon. So I think if she wants to keep working in that, in that realm, she can. Yeah.
1: Who else did you see doing interesting things?
0: I mean, the other breakout star for me, who's I think a lot less well-known than Sarah Cooper at this point, but is also just amazing, is this woman, Blair Erskine, who does these also just ridiculous videos um and there might, and i think it's even like it's more difficult than what sarah cooper was doing because it's she's actually creating original stuff and re- creating original characters where she's spoofing again MAGA people like anti-maskers and she did i think one of the one of my favorites was she was playing um tiffany trump's best friend in one which i thought was pretty funny um tiffany's like my best friend we met like
2: three months ago at this club I used to work at in Jacksonville and over the weekend she was like hey do you want to come to my dad's house we're having a, what does she call it we're ha- we're having a coup and I was like sure you know because I grew up poor I've never been to like a, a like a rich person party and I was like I'd love to go to a coup but we've been here for like five days and the coup has not happened yet and like um the stuff that has happened is like pretty I
0: don't know, like not okay. Oh yeah, that one was so good. She came out of nowhere. She's like, you know, I don't. I was looking at her, IMDb, just to be like, I wonder if she's done anything else. And like, no, she's done, you know, some short films or some random things. And I think maybe she's been in a commercial or something. But she's, she's really just someone who was at home during this time, started making videos on her phone, and totally blew up. And and is yeah. now when she posts them, it's like they're. Highly uh, anticipated, gets shared all over Twitter. I know everyone uh, at the Daily Beast gets excited and watches them the second she posts them. So it's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, no, good for her.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting too because you're seeing – especially I became like addicted to political TikTok this year. And never did I think that I was going to be in awe of an 18-year-old's political humor.
0: <laughs> yeah, what was something on, from an 18-year-old on TikTok that, that got you?
2: And if you say George's daughter.
0: <laughs> oh. Out of respect to
1: common new abnormal guest, George yes. Conway, I will not say Claudia <laughs> but, you Conway. Know, she
2: is quite, she's quite beautiful. I I mean, I think, and I found her funny, but I don't, I'm not a TikTok connoisseur, so I, I don't know.
0: Was she trying to be funny? I'm not even sure.
2: Uh, she's, she's, she's done
1: some pretty funny ones. Actually, pretty when, when, funny. When, one of pretty funny. Be- one of the best ones to answer the question was... Was she did a TikTok of her mom coughing when she yeah. got COVID? That was <laughs> so
2: fucking, bad and hilarious. Like, like,
1: like, it was like some of the best gallows
0: humor of the oh year. Oh my God. <laughs>
2: I mean, she's kind of hilarious, but yes, it's true.
0: I know. Where, where is she going to go next? I think she, she could have a big future, Claudia Conway.
2: Yeah, I could see her ultimately ending up being famous, but again, for what? Who know? You know, it's good to have something you're famous for.
0: <laughs> yeah, instead of just who you are. Yeah.
1: So, another thing we were going to talk about is the biggest staple of comedy of the last half a century, Saturday Night Live.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's been a, also a very weird year for Saturday Night Live, which is something that I am just weirdly obsessed with, uh, as anyone who knows me knows. And for no good reason. Like, most. I think most of it's pretty bad, to be honest with you. And I yet I watch every <laughs> minute of it every week. We're we're very glad that
1: you're on that page because Molly and I were discussing this beforehand. That we were both like,
0: "Sorry, uh, life's a little rough." Well, hey, you talked to Alec Baldwin, so.
2: I mean, can you explain? Has it? Always
0: been bad. Well, the thing that everyone talks about, this is like Lauren Michaels thing, is that everyone thinks that when they were in high school it was the best that it ever was. Yes. But that right. has more to do oh, with that's smart. that has more to do with their sensibility when they were in high school, yeah. I think. Yeah. Just like people's
1: favorite records. It's all it's always the record that you've really felt at nineteen years old.
0: Yeah. And that's like it's totally true. It's like for me, I'm like, yeah, when it was Mike Myers and Dana Carvey and Chris Farley, it was the best. Like that's that's just when it was the best. Yeah. I don't know. Is that Is that true or is that someone else might have very different perspective on that?
2: It's funny because it's like there's clearly, occasionally they hit it out of the park. And those clips become huge viral sensations.
0: Yeah. I mean, what I say to everyone who's like, should, should I be watching SNL? I'm like, no, you should be watching whatever the one clip the next day is that we often post on the Daily Beast uh, is the, is what was worth watching. And otherwise, no, you, sitting through the whole thing is, is definitely not necessary. But, you know, their political stuff, I think, always gets attention because it just, it becomes a thing no matter what it is and you know i think it's tina fey as sarah palin is obviously yeah, one that, right. that stands out and i think that was that was like an example of something that was funny but it was more because sarah palin was so funny than anything tina fey was doing it was mm-hmm. she was she was just verbatim repeating the you know ridiculous things that came out of sarah palin's mouth but 30 rock
2: is really funny
0: yeah and thir- but that's you know she was that was she was writing it and she was like
2: yeah but that was born of snl
0: yeah Yeah, and it's sort of the the SNL behind the scenes uh, in her, you know, exaggerated way.
1: And I think that's also one of the things of what SNL stays relevant through is that the things SNL spurs – are truly, truly some of the most amazing stuff we've ever had in comedy, whether it's the really popular stuff on to just the obscure stuff. Like you had Robert Smigel on, and TV Funhouse is my favorite thing ever. I think Triumph did some of the best political comedy of the past few years as well.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely
0: has. Yeah, he's great. It
2: definitely is a thing that they're, they do come up with some brilliant stuff, which is why it's still known as such a big thing. Don't you agree?
0: Yeah, and I think the the other thing, I mean, this kind of goes into the Tina Fey thing because when she was playing Sarah Palin, she had already left the show, so she was kind of one right. of these earlier celebrity celebrity, you know, guests coming in, and so and then with Alec Baldwin playing Trump he basically became a member of the cast over the last 4 years which is something he probably never thought he would do and then they've just kind of kept trying it again and again like you know Ben Stiller who we talked to back in the day was um Michael Cohen and that was really funny and like Robert yeah, De Niro was, was was uh, Robert Mueller and then I think they, the, the, they jumped the shark a little bit this year when they brought in Jim Carrey as Joe Biden, which to me just really didn't work at all. As great as Jim Carrey is, I just didn't, I just didn't see it in, in his impression that, that it was really...
2: Yeah, he was terrible.
0: Like, it, it just it wasn't funny. It didn't capture what was funny about Joe Biden, if there is mm-hmm. something funny about him, which I don't know. <laughs> well. President Trump, we do accept the results of this election. We're not mad at them.
1: <laughs> we have to act graciously in victory, though. We need to go forward together. Unfortunately, there are situations in life, and this is one of them, where there must be a winner and... Hey, loser.
0: <laughs>
2: Are they keeping him
0: on? So no, they, this, uh, this past week, they officially replaced him. First, Jim Carrey did this like very kind of um, tweet that got a lot of attention that I thought was like strangely Mm -hmm. sincere, where he was like, I'm stepping aside as Joe Biden, like I've done my service and and now's the time for me to leave. So luckily I think he saw the writing on the wall and, and also didn't want to be Alec Baldwin for the next four years going to SNL all the time. Like I think he, he has better things to do. Yeah. But Alec
2: Baldwin... As Trump is really good. Yeah, yeah he's is he, is,
0: he is good and he
2: he's more Trump than Trump at this point.
0: Yeah, I think, and and it was a larger-than-life impression, which is what you need sometimes, and especially with someone like Trump, you know, I think having a, a big celebrity, you know, made sense in that way. With Joe Biden, I just I think they they tried it with Jim Carrey and it didn't work, but they, now they have um, one of their actual cast members, uh, Alex Moffat, who you might know Molly as the SNL's uh, Eric Trump, um, who's <laughs> is quite quite oh, funny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you, you've seen those uh, those the thing they do with Don Jr. and Eric, I think is actually. Very very funny, and they often do it on Weekend Update. Yeah. Where they'll they'll come on, and Alex Moffat plays Eric as this like as you know the dumbest Trump son, and is basically yeah. just looking looking over to Don Jr. and mimicking all of his movements. If you watch him, and just like anyway, it's very funny. But he 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 premiered his Biden, and it's not like it was the funniest thing ever, but it was, it was like a pretty accurate impression. And I think it's great that they have someone from the cast doing it and there to do it because they just. They they haven't had that, you know, for the last four years in these big roles. And they are they already have Maya Rudolph in as Kamala. And she's great, yeah. but also someone who's, you know, not from the cast. So, one, she can't be there all the time. And two, it, it does kind of take away the you know opportunities from these people who are, you know, supposedly the main cast members on the show.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess. But the goal here is to make the show really funny. And, and well, it is, I mean, being on SNL is a huge opportunity. And if you don't get you know, out there. I don't know. I don't have so much, but I guess, I mean, I guess you're I guess
0: that's a point. Yeah, I mean, I think, and some they've had some really good cast members on this season too, doing political stuff like you know Kate McKinnon who does yeah, everything amazingly, um, but she really took off as Rudy this year because she had a lot to do as Rudy. And then you know they've had they've had some other great people like uh, Cecily Strong um, plays yeah, a lot of great. she she did Melania who I feel like she hasn't done Melania in ever um, in a really long time, um, but I feel like she got one upped by uh, Laura Benanti who does Melania on Colbert. Air show and is unbelievable, and it's like I th- kind of think she, she's done it to a degree that no one else can quite can quite get there.
2: It's so funny because Melania herself is so, you know, is basically just a parody.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they're all. That's the problem is that they're all parodies. Yeah. You know, you could say that about any of these people.
1: I mean, and I think, like, if we do talk about what are good moments of SNL past our teenage years, I, the Sean Spicer imitation, was yeah, is one amazing. of the great. Yeah. Like, that was one of Sarah Lai's best moments of all time. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. And that was like, that, that also kicked off the, the women. Playing, uh, playing yeah. men in, in Trump world, which apparently he really did not like. That was the story that came out around then. Was that yeah, that he, was great. He didn't like that women were were playing his people, and so then there, I remember there was a lot of talk about like maybe they should start having a, a a woman play Trump for that reason. Yeah,
2: no, that was really great.
0: But is there not a thing to that like I, there's part of me that
1: thinks Biden is a little hard to character because it's all in the speech, like it's hard to do him.
0: Yeah, and there's, it's I mean I think this has got a lot of conversation around this during the Obama years too was that they had a lot of trouble making Obama funny. Yeah. And like famously Key and Peel with the anger translator were the only ones to really find oh, a good yeah. angle on Obama. But yeah, Biden is Biden is not uh I, I think it's 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 tough. It's it's gonna be hard.
2: You could if you sort of were committed to it. The problem with Trump is Trump is so awful that you really do hate him, which adds yeah. an element, you know, no one is ever <laughs> gonna say like you know, don't be too mean. You know, it's harder yeah. when you're the guy who's like kind of saved democracy for
0: now. I also think there's like that thing where there was they may have been a little careful leading up to the election because of mm. th- the stakes. Right. And that sure. once once Biden is president and now, I mean, there's a little bit more freedom to be harsh because, you know, he's <laughs> he already beat Trump. Yeah. Yeah. In fact,
1: now that you say that, it's funny because, like, I think the only good Joe Biden impression I heard was when episode one did that episode where it was three Joe Bidens talking to each other, and they don't care if he gets elected.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're allowed to be funnier in that sense. Yeah. I mean, there was – I remember also with Will Ferrell's George W. Bush, there was, like, all this talk about how he made Bush more likable even though he was playing him very dumb – he made him mm. likable to a, to a degree that people were willing to vote for him and that there's like this theory out there that he actually, because he seemed more fun than Al Gore, both in real life right. and on mostly on SNL, that that actually influenced the election, which I don't know if I believe that, but it's possible. It's a theory.
2: Yeah, certainly, certainly a
0: uh, theory. Anyone who works for SNL likes to say that, you know, oh, no, no, we, we don't have, <laughs> they don't want to be responsible for elections, for deciding elections. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like having like having Trump dance the Hotline Bling.
0: Yeah, well that yeah. that's a whole other thing. When they had Trump hosts, that was that's the
2: right. the
0: uh, you know original sin of 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 yeah, political comedy want to be at this culpable. point. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much, you know, for coming on. This was really great.
0: Thank you guys. Stay safe. Happy holidays.
1: On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of the New Abnormal from the Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from the Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world.
2: We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast and he's The Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again on the next episode.